Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi there, Superconscious Success fam. Welcome to our another amazing interview that we are going to be speaking to Bill Harrison today. Now, Bill, having enjoyed successful careers in several different industries, known as manufacturing, construction, commercial, real estate, telecommunications, marketing, consulting, and academia, Bill and his wife, Mary, learned that their talents, skills, experience, and God-given gifts could be applied in different ways in many diverse situations. All that was required was a willingness to go wherever God led them and to do whatever he asked them to do. In the process of so doing, they learned that God had a plan for their lives that was more challenging than their own plans, but also far more exciting and rewarding. In the process, they have been afforded opportunities to go places, including all 50 of the United States and some 60 foreign countries, and do things that have gone far beyond what they expected for themselves. Based on their life experiences as a married couple with dual professional careers, Bill and his wife developed the concept that they call spiritual entrepreneurship. The challenges they faced in fulfilling the requirements of two separate careers without neglecting their family obligations led them to the principles and practices of this concept. So I'm going to now let Bill tell you his story. So hey, Bill, how are you going today? I am doing great. Very good. Thank you. That's good. And so I would love for you to go into uh, your story as to how um, as to how you came about the spiritual entrepreneurship and also um, about your two amazing books that you've got available. All righty. Um, well, as I uh, say on my uh, LinkedIn page, at this point in my life, I am a spiritual entrepreneur a uh, life coach, uh, an author, and a public speaker when I get the opportunity. Um, I started out in life uh, with a degree in aerospace engineering and worked in that industry for about uh, seven years and then that industry started consolidating. So it's a, a kind of a scene that's kind of familiar today with a lot of companies uh, uh, downsizing, you know, merging, going out of business and that sort of thing. Mm. Uh, there were no jobs at all in that industry back in, in at that particular point in time. So uh, I ended up uh, transferring my skill set into commercial construction, commercial industrial construction. Uh, that came about uh, some almost accidentally. Uh, after I graduated from college, uh, my wife was still going to school. Uh, she got her bachelor's degree, uh, went out looking for a job, and couldn't find anything that required a degree. They wanted to hire as a basically as an administrative assistant. Mm -hmm. So that that made her mad. So she decided to go to graduate school and see what how she could do better with an MBA. And uh, while she was in the MBA program, uh, she got the opportunity to uh, teach some uh, freshman level classes and decided she liked that and wanted to do that for a career. In order to do that, she had to keep on going to school because she got her PhD. Oh, wow. So she ended up, um, she ended up uh, going all the way through getting a PhD in marketing. Mm -hmm. uh, that occurred in uh, 1973. And it just so happened at that particular point in time, the, the US federal government was through the Economic Opportunity Commission was pushing uh, universities to uh, more diversity and particularly for hiring more women. Mm. And so uh, she ended up getting a number of offers. Uh, we decided to, to take the one from uh, Louisiana State University in, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. 
And so we ended up moving to Baton Rouge in 1973. Uh, by the way, at that time, I had just finished up an MBA in administrative management at the same time that she finished up her, her finally got a terminal degree. Uh, so when we made a move, I didn't know what I was going to do because I, I knew it was going to be something different. I mm. uh, looked around for a couple of months and ended up finding a job with an engineering firm in the industrial commercial construction area and spent most of my career in that. Uh, partly because of the uh, MBA that I'd gotten, I ended up actually most of that career in project management, mm -hmm. which I enjoyed. And I found out much later uh, through a uh, number of tests and things is that's really where I belong. That's really where my skill set was. Uh, as much or more so as on the technical side. Yeah. So we did that. Uh, we lived in Baton Rouge for nine years. Uh, after nine years, uh, my wife found out that they were offering, uh, and by the way, she was the, the very first uh, female marketing professor in the history of Louisiana State University. So she was- Wow, that's incredible. Groundbreaker there. Uh, after nine years, she found out that they were offering male brand new PhD graduates more than she was making after nine years as a female professor. Mm. So she got ticked off once again and uh, just happened to find out at that time that uh, a university in Virginia Beach, uh, which is now called Regent University, was going to begin a brand new college of business that they had not had before. Uh, she ended up interviewing there and was the very first faculty member that they hired for their new college of business and had the opportunity to develop all of the curriculum uh, for the marketing department. So it was a really great opportunity for her. Uh, I floundered a bit when we got to Virginia Beach because uh, I couldn't find the kind of job I really wanted. Ended up getting a real estate license. Mm -hmm. and trying to uh, sell commercial real estate, working with a broker there. Uh, it was a commission-only job. I had no income from, from my side for a year. And so we decided uh, at that time to move back to the Dallas area where uh, construction industry was booming again. Yeah. And so I ended up getting a job back in, with an engineering firm back in commercial industrial construction. Uh, my wife got a teaching job at a, uh, well, she started off, uh, actually, she wanted to get some business uh, experience. And so she started off uh, heading up the marketing department for a firm in the telecommunications industry, which was right at the onset of uh, fiber optics and uh, the very first uh, uh, wireless phones. And so she knew a whole lot about more, <clears throat> than, more about that than I did for number of years there. I finally got caught up with her. She tried that for about a year or two uh, and decided she didn't like the uh, 50, 60 hour weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, the company got sold two or three times and had new management come in. And But she finally got tired of that. She ended up uh, finding an opportunity with a local university here that uh, had all uh, evening and Saturday classes and she liked that. The students mm -hmm. were all full-time, uh, working full-time and just going to school at night and on the weekends. So it wasn't a party school, uh, which LSU had been, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, but she really liked that. And she, uh, she ended up working there as a professor for the next, I forget how many years it was. And uh, she ended up retiring from there as a professor emeritus. And a few years after she uh, retired, I ended up finally retiring. Uh, in 2000, well, excuse me, 1998, I lost my job with an engineering firm uh, when the uh, industries were contracting again and ended up spending my last 11 years in doing commercial real estate uh, due diligence, which since I'd gotten the real estate license uh, about 14 years earlier, that came in handy. Mm -hmm. So I ended up uh, cycling through three different industries. Uh, my wife got several opportunities in academia as well in, uh, in uh, marketing <clears throat> in uh, industry. And so during all of that, uh, we had all sorts of different opportunities that we never really expected to have when we started out, when we got married and started life. 
Uh, my wife thought she was going to be a housewife and, and maybe do something with a degree. Maybe well, that didn't work, did it? <laughs> and it didn't turn out like that. Yeah. Uh, in the process of all that, we, we had made a decision back in 1970 <clears throat> that uh, we were both going to uh, make a commitment to Jesus Christ to uh, to serve him, to go wherever he wanted us to go, do mm -hmm. what he asked us to do. Uh, that, that first opportunity came along three years later, and it was a really big decision for us to, for me to quit my job in my industry uh, and to make a move to some place that we knew nobody, uh, had never been before, and to uh, start brand new careers of some sort. But once we made that decision, the decisions after that's a little bit easier coming along because we found out that uh, everything worked out really well and gave us opportunities to do things that uh, we didn't really know we were going to be able to do. Uh, we found out uh, in a, during that time that we both really enjoyed travel. Mm -hmm. We took opportunity uh, uh, when we were still young enough and uh, had, had the money and were healthy enough and started traveling in the United States. Uh, started out just driving as far as we could drive and uh, getting plane ticket, flying someplace, getting a rental car and exploring up there. Uh, we got to a certain point uh, that we found out that it was as cheap to uh, take trips to Europe as it was some places in the United States. Mm. Made our first trip to uh, London and Paris uh, really enjoyed that, and so we got hooked on international travel and ended up traveling to 60-something countries over the next, I guess, quite a few years, 20 years or more. Uh, did you ever so get across to Australia? Yes, we did. Uh, yeah? Just on, the, just on the eastern side. I did not make it as far uh, over, in, over the to the west. There. But uh, we, we uh, let's see, we were in uh, Sydney. Uh, Melbourne and Cairns, nice. and, then, uh, and then went to uh, uh, New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, so it was uh, that. That was an interesting trip. That was one of the best trips that we that we had. We really enjoyed that. So yeah, beautiful uh, countries. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, a lot of different things happened. Uh, speaking of the book, the first book started out actually as a Sunday school class that we taught in the church that we were in in Virginia Beach. And then over the years after we moved back to the Dallas area, um, I got the idea to uh, let's, let's write a book about that. Mm. And so we started on that and it took us probably, well, from we, we moved back in 1985 and it was 2017 before we ended up publishing the book. Wow, during that's a the, lot of experiences in there. Yeah, during the course of that, uh, my wife suggested that we should include uh, what our personal experience had been, which was the basis for coming up with the concept. And so I started writing that into it. And it, it, like I said, it took quite a while. We got to that point. And then finally, uh, I guess sometime in 2016 or 17, got in touch with a publisher uh, uh, to do self-publishing. Mm. And the work with them uh, went through uh, a number of different uh, revisions and, uh, you know, editing and all of that and ended up publishing that in September, I believe it was, of uh, 2017. Mm -hmm. um, my wife passed away three years later. And so I ended up uh, deciding to write another book, which uh, basically was a follow-on to what our experiences had been in, in the first book. And what I had learned from my experiences uh, as a widower. Yeah. Uh, and so that's, that's how the second one came about. Fantastic. Fantastic. And so, so what, are you, what are you up to at the moment? I know you've got, um, there's an organization that you've co-founded, which, um, which is for, for entrepreneurs. Yeah. First, first of all, uh, when I retired uh, in 2010, yeah. Uh, I decided to volunteer my services with an organization back at that time that was one of the uh, networking groups for people uh, out of work that were in, in on the job market. Okay. And that started uh, in, in uh, 
2010, uh, we had just had a, 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 a economic recession here in the U.S., and, and there were a lot mm -hmm. of people out of work. Yeah. And when I first started with that organization, we had two or 300 people every week that, that came that were in the job market. Wow. And so I decided to work with them because I, I had knew from experience that uh, they might end up having to look someplace different than where they had been hired, what, the, what their previous experience had been. They need to think of themselves in terms of what their skill set was and mm. where, it, where it could be transferred to a different, a different place. A different, a different area, yeah. Location. So I felt I had the experience with that, and as well as having experienced uh, over the uh, 40-something years of my work experience, several periods of unemployment, uh, yeah. once, going once uh, for a whole year with no income, depending just on my wife's income. So I knew that you could survive that, and mm. that was worthwhile information for people. So in the course of all of that, uh, also, Partly as a result of having what we developed through spiritual entrepreneurship, I came to ask people, uh, do you know who you are? Yeah. Why you're here? Uh, you know, what's your purpose in life? Because that's where your employment should be, is in doing what you were, what you were put here to do. Absolutely. And it's amazing, it's amazing how many people don't have a clue. No. They don't know that much about who they are. Uh, and I've, uh, since then, I have found a number of uh, ways that can help you find that. One of them is through Clifton Strengths. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not. It's a, uh, it's a uh, an analysis you can take that it, they have a list of 34 strengths, mm. and it will tell you it will order, rank all of them for you, and and work on what your top five strengths are. Yeah. Uh, and say that uh, here's the plus side of those, here's what you can do with those. Uh, this is really what you're made of. This, this kind of helps tell you who you are uh, and what, uh, what, what types of things you should probably be pursuing based on what you really uh, are good at, what you enjoy doing. Yeah, uh, the, other one, the other one is another uh, uh, assessment you can take. It's called the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. Which is something that is, are you familiar with that? I am. I actually had another speaker that um, is speaking on the Enneagram, which is, which is pretty incredible. So, um, so I totally yeah. agree. It's a great way to figure out what your, what your purpose and your, your personality type is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that helps it too. Also in terms of in, uh, for your personality type, uh, how you tend to react to things mm. and uh, why you do some of the things that you do. And it also kind of tends to hint to you uh, some of the things you should probably avoid because you tend to react negatively to it. Yeah, it certainly, it certainly made me kind of rethink um, how yeah. I react to things because um, once I figured out what my, my primary Enneagram was, um, right. then, yeah, you can figure out, like, how you're going to react to something, how you can avoid the negative and... Um, how you can turn them into positives. So it's quite interesting because as we were listening to all the different Enneagram, um, yeah. you start thinking about all the people in your life and you start going, yeah. uh, oh, that's what they are and that's what they are. <laughs> and, um, and, yeah, it's quite interesting. So it's definitely another talk. Well, it's relationships, if you can begin to understand uh, mm -hmm. one thing, what people's strengths are. Yeah. Because based on what those strengths are, uh, people, people that are more... Uh, intellectually oriented you have to, to talk to and deal with differently yeah. and basically present a lot of facts uh people that are more action oriented uh you have to uh, be able to get them moving right away you have something going you know that excites them keeps them going yeah absolutely and with, with, uh, with the enneagram kind of works that way too in terms of what their personality type is is how they respond and uh how you have to present things to them if you're trying to get them to work with you or if you're trying to convince them that here's, here's what you might think about doing. Yeah, so absolutely. At the present time, I'm working with a friend of mine who actually uh, left a long-time career in retail management uh, to study, uh, get certified by Gallup as a, a strengths coach. Okay. So he's a Gallup certified strengths coach. He and I 
uh, started our own uh, support group for people in job transition, uh, working with them and uh, uh, helping them uh, find out what their their uh, Clifton strengths are, what mm. their Enneagram type is, and then uh, through that, kind of helping to work through uh, what types of work they should probably be looking for, where they might be uh, better off looking for them, and give, you know, because uh, people that haven't been out of a job uh, in quite a while, and there's a lot of those around right now. Yeah, there is, yeah. And particularly people that have kind of worked in one area or one business or for all their career, they tend to kind of have that deer in the headlights look when they get laid off. Or when yeah. Goes out of business. And when we actually go into the interview, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about that, about how we, um, about the importance of pivot in our lives as well. Um, yes. Because I think that's going to be interesting for people to listen to. So, so you're not really retired, are you, Bill? Because <laughs> you're still working pretty hard. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not getting any, uh, I don't have any income, which I don't need. Which you volunteer, is, yeah. We saved enough while we were working to, uh, I like to say that I am comfortably retired and I can offer my services on a pro bono basis. Yeah. Uh, which means I can pretty well go where I want to go and do what I want to do uh, to uh, where I think I can do the most good. That, that brings me to also, uh, you mentioned it earlier, I'm a uh, co-founder of an organization called Shift Co. Yep. Uh, which is a uh, networking and uh, uh, growth uh, uh, opportunity for conscious entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. and uh, that kind of it kind of ties in, kind of dovetails with what I call spiritual entrepreneurship. It goes to purpose. Yeah, uh, spiritual entrepreneurs are doing what they do a because they enjoy doing it, uh, b because they feel like it's serving a, their purpose. Yeah. And it's, it's doing something positive for the world uh, and they can make a living at it. Yeah. So the first emphasis is on what can I do that will, uh, that will provide a product or a service that society needs. And then uh, what does it work yeah. uh, for me to do that? And we have, we have some teaching that will help people figure that out. Uh, Shifco provides uh, mentors, mm -hmm. uh, coaches, and they're li they are lining up a number of uh, world-renowned uh, master teachers to uh, teach people how to start a business as an entrepreneur, as a conscious entrepreneur. Yeah, uh, we're going to go into conscious entrepreneurship a lot more in the in the interview too. Um, yeah. Spiritual entrepreneurship. Yep. And then also how to scale it up. From, from startup to uh, up into a multi-million dollar corporation, if you're so inclined. Excellent. And that's, a, that's another um, something else that you've volunteered to participate in? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I got into that through a young lady that I actually met a uh, number of years ago at the organization I was volunteering at back then uh, for job seekers. Uh, she came in and did a presentation that had, that centered around purpose, know your purpose. Mm -hmm. And I got to know her really well and uh, have kept in touch with her. And uh, uh, she started this organization, a Shifco organization, and okay. invited me to, to come in as a co-founder, and so I did. And I've been really exciting to see how that's starting to be. It just started, uh, kicked off in January of last year kind of a bad year to start something new, <laughs> but uh, fighting our way through uh, COVID and having to, uh, not having the in-person meetings and doing it all by Zoom, uh, but it's a worldwide organization. We have uh, people already that have joined in four or five different countries. Amazing. Uh, the goal is to be basically a worldwide organization with 20,000 or more members uh, within the next four or five years. So Fantastic. Yeah, I was looking at the website and I thought this is an incredible idea because part of my part of my purpose on this on this earth is connection and it's connecting other people with yeah. one another. So that's something that's really 
um, really I'm passionate about. So, um, so fantastic. That is something that if you're a spiritual entrepreneur, um, then, or a conscious entrepreneur, then definitely it's something that, that you should be looking into. Now we're going to wrap this up for our introduction, um, because I'm really excited to get across to the interview and to learn a bit more about that. Okay. 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 <laughs> so okay, thanks, thanks very much, Bill. Superconscious Success fam. Welcome back to another incredible interview where we're actually going to be talking to Bill Harrison. Um, if you have not yet checked out Bill's introductory video, then head across there now and check it out on my Superconscious Success YouTube channel because we are going to be talking about spiritual entrepreneurship and he's actually written two books, Spiritual Entrepreneurship entrepreneurship, fulfilling your God-ordained destiny, and traveling solo but never alone, surviving and thriving after the loss of a spouse. So we're going to be going into that, but we're also going to be talking about what conscious entrepreneurship is and how it can actually help you during these crazy times, how working with the divine can allow you to accomplish more than you ever thought was possible, how you can begin to listen to what God is actually asking you to do, um, how to eliminate the fear that arises from making big and sometimes scary decisions because that's something that affects us all. And also why working with your passion and your purpose could be your answer to nailing conscious entrepreneurship. So, hey, Bill, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing great. The, uh, the snowpocalypse is over. Uh, <laughs> we're no longer having uh, Arctic temperatures here in Texas. Uh, we're actually up to about 60 degrees Fahrenheit today. So. Wow, uh, it's, we were just talking before the inter interview about how, how weird it is. You're in like a snow apocalypse and we're like in 100 degrees Fahrenheit in Australia. <laughs> so um, it just shows being on different parts of the world, the, the differences in temperature is crazy. So, <laughs> so Bill, how about we start off by... Um, you talking about your, your two books, your spiritual entrepreneurship book and your traveling solo, but never alone. All righty. Uh, the, I think your question was, how do we end up writing the book? Yeah. Uh, actually it started, uh, for my wife and I back in, uh, 1970, fairly early in our marriage. Um, at that particular point in, in time, we made a decision that really changed the outcome of our life for uh, the rest of our time together. Um, if you're familiar with the Bible at all, uh, the New Testament anyway, uh, when Jesus started his ministry, the very first thing that he said was, uh, uh, the, usually it's translated repent, but what it really means is change your mindset, change the yeah. way you look things change uh, your outlook on life and what life's all about and how you should live it and the second thing he said then he started calling people and said follow me and so what he, his intention was was to demonstrate to them if you have a different point of view this is how you should be living and he, he actually demonstrated that in his life all the way through so we made a decision in January of 1970 that we were going to follow God wherever he led us. And we were going to do our best to do whatever he asked us to do. Mm -hmm. And that really changed everything. I, uh, I ended up uh, uh, quitting my, well, actually, I left the career that I started with uh, so we could start my wife's career, uh, moved from Texas to Louisiana, uh, later on, we moved from Louisiana to Virginia and then back to back to Texas again. Uh, in the process of that, we ended up having opportunities to do things that we hadn't really planned uh, when we got married and got started. Um, I was going to have a career in the aerospace industry. Uh, my wife uh, was going to be a housewife and a mother. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and <clears throat> until she got her first degree and wasn't able to get a job that used that degree. They wanted to hire her as an administrative assistant or something that didn't require a degree. So that ticked her off. So she went back to graduate school, got an MBA. And in the process of getting the MBA, uh, she had the opportunity to teach some of the freshman level courses and decided she wanted to teach at the university level. So mm -hmm. she had to keep on going and get all the way through and get a PhD in order to be able to do that. Uh, when that happened, uh, then, and uh, let's see, this would have been 1973, uh, she started getting offers from out-of-state universities to come, to come teach there. The, uh, federal, the U.S. government at that time was pressuring colleges for more diversity and particularly for hiring females. And so she was getting offers from all over the place. We made that decision, moved to uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, she started her career. Um, I had to find something else to do because there, there were no jobs in the aerospace industry anywhere at that point in time, actually. Uh, it had started consolidating. Uh, we're down to only two, I think now, uh, Boeing and Lockheed are the only two U.S. Uh, aircraft manufacturers anymore of, of any size. There were at least 12 or 13 or more back in uh, when I started my career in 1966. Mm. Uh, so I had to find something else to do. Got into the construction industry, which I really knew almost nothing about had to uh, do a lot of on-the-job training for that myself because they didn't provide any. Uh, learned how to do that. In the process of that, I got an opportunity uh, to uh, assist a project uh, manager, uh, more or less as uh, initially kind of as a gopher, uh, doing mm -hmm. all the stuff you didn't want to have to do, you know. Uh, within a year after that, I got the opportunity to actually have my own project. And I found out uh, that that was, I was really better suited for that, for the people side of things and for managing teams and uh, working with uh, uh, owners and contractors and uh, building officials and all of that uh, than in doing detailed design work myself, particularly in an industry that until about a year or so before I hadn't really known anything about. Yeah. So I got that opportunity, which I would never have gotten if we had stayed in Dallas. Uh, if we hadn't, if we stayed in Dallas, my wife never could have started her career. Yeah. Uh, we ended up uh, after nine years uh, moving to Virginia. Uh, my wife found out it you know, accidentally uh, after she'd been there nine years at uh, Louisiana State. And by the way, uh, she was the first female marketing professor in the history of Louisiana State University. So that was a real That's unique That's incredible, yeah. Uh, but she found out that uh, they were offering um, male PhD candidates right out of school more than what she was making after nine years. So a little yeah. bit of uh, income inequality, gender inequality there. So she found out about an opportunity at a uh, university in Virginia Beach that was going to start a brand new college of business and got hired there as the, the first faculty member that was hired for that new college and had the opportunity to develop the whole marketing program for that college wow. from scratch. So another opportunity that she never would have had. Yeah. Uh, I ended up, we ended up, uh, I, I worked for a little while there in, in construction for the same company. Uh, didn't, didn't get along real well with senior management because what I had learned in the previous nine years about construction was different than their philosophy. Mm. And, uh, uh, got to a point agreed to disagree and so I, I left that. Uh, got a real estate license because I had to do something, wanted to learn something. Uh, tried to do commercial real estate uh, for about a year Without, it was all on uh, commission and uh, ended up not having any income myself that year. So we lived on my wife's salary and then decided to move back to Dallas because the construction industry was booming in Dallas in the uh, mid-80s. Mm. So we moved back here in the mid-80s. 
uh, and uh, my wife ended up in having an opportunity to head up the marketing department for a telecommunications firm back at the beginning of the uh, wireless phone industry. Okay. And so she learned all about that and uh, got to go to uh, Washington and, and negotiate with the FCC on bandwidth and things like that. So that was another opportunity that we would never have had. Um, I continued my career then in uh, commercial industrial construction in project management. Uh, worked my way all the way up to being the project director for the Dallas division of our company, which during the 14 years, I think it was that I was there, grew from about from 25 people to about uh, I think 250 at the time that I left. Uh, it started. Our, our the industries we were working in started uh, having a little bit of a recession in the uh, mid to late 90s, hmm. and so they eliminated my position and started contracting a little bit. Uh, so once again, I had to find something else to do, and uh, partly because I had uh, had the real estate license in Virginia, I got a job doing commercial real estate due diligence. Uh, okay. which was look, going out and looking at properties for potential buyers and doing uh, condition reports on what the property was like, uh, doing a 10-year forecast of anticipated capital costs that they would incur, uh, new roof, new air conditioning units, repaint, you know, whatever, uh, if they bought the property. So I did that for another 11 years, I think it was, and then uh, got to a point and said, okay, that's enough, and yeah. retired. And uh, actually, I retired in 2010. And uh, since then, I have been working, well, not at the very beginning, but uh, been working with a friend of mine, uh, working with people that are in job transition, that are have uh, mm -hmm. either lost their job or they're not happy with their job and want to do something different. And so uh, that's what we've been doing for the last, what I've been doing for 10 years. And uh, Mike and I have been doing it for about six or eight of those, I think, now. So and, you're not really retired, are you, Bill? So there were all sorts of opportunities that we would not have had uh, if we hadn't done that. Yeah. Uh, we also ended up, uh, which we hadn't planned on, as a, uh, a, a two-career family. And we learned a lot of things about how to be able to hold a family together, raise a daughter, uh, and keep the marriage together when we had two very different types of careers. Yeah. And we moving a few times and changing things. Um, my wife, by the way, after that stint in telecommunications, ended up back in the university setting and uh, work at a, uh, a university here in the Dallas area uh, until she retired in 2007, I think it was, as a professor mm -hmm. emeritus. So that was another opportunity for her, another uh, accomplishment that she that she had. So also, wow. in the, we, we discovered fairly early on in our, in our marriage that we both like to travel. Mm -hmm. And with two incomes, we were able to afford it. Yeah, and so uh, we started. We started uh, initially making uh, auto trips, car trips around the U.S. Uh, got kind of beyond the reasonable driving range and started uh, catching a flight someplace, getting a rental car, and seeing what we explored in that area. Yeah, we ended up uh, getting to visit all fifty of the United States, which not everyone has done. No. We also found out uh, fairly early on that it was just about as cheap to uh, go to Europe as it was to travel in the United States. Yep. And so we really got hooked on overseas travel. And by the time my wife passed away, I think we had visited 60, 61 or 62 different countries oh. and got a flavor of uh, how a lot of different people live, what they eat. Uh, uh, my wife was always interested in how they did business, how they, how do you market in different other uh, mm. countries. And yeah. so we did the usual tourist stuff, but we also would visit department stores uh, and uh, 
uh, grocery stores to see how they did things, what their prices were like, and, and what their ads were like, and all of that. And we even visited the uh, stock exchange in Tokyo just to see how that how that went. So yeah, just it just uh, a host of opportunities that we never would have had if we hadn't made that decision back in 1970 to uh, go where we felt like the spirit was moving us and to uh, take a shot at doing something we hadn't done before uh, to see how that went. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think when it comes to entrepreneurship and when it comes to building a successful business and, and, and not just business, but also life and listening to that intuition, listening to what God is telling you is really, really important. How would you, um, how would you suggest for somebody to be able to tap into that intuition and begin to hear what God's trying to tell them if they have not yet developed that particular, um, that particular skill? Well, the, the approach that uh, Mike and I take in our in dealing with people that are uh, on the job market mm -hmm. is uh, that first of all you need to know who you are, yeah, and you need to know why you're here, what your purpose in life is. Uh, it really all revolves around purpose, and uh, when it comes to knowing who you are, most people haven't really given it too much thought mm. or what their purpose is. Uh, so we try to get them started on thinking about that. Uh, from my perspective, uh, who you are is a child of God mm -hmm. who has a very, he has a plan for your life that will take you beyond where you think you can go. Yeah. Uh, it will be a lot more challenging, but it will be a lot more adventurous and you will end up with a whole lot more accomplishment than you thought you were capable of. Yeah, because I think sometimes we we kind of hold ourselves in our in our comfort box, in our comfort zone, because we don't want yeah. to expand out of it. Well, the real the real key to it, and uh, the decision that we made actually made in 1973 when we decided I was going to quit my job and actually quit my chosen profession and move, you know to uh, an, an, almost another country because South Louisiana uh, has a much, much different culture than North Texas does. Okay. Uh, due to the uh, Cajun influence down there. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, uh, um, it's much different. It's, it's much more of a, uh, of a laid back type society. And it's a very close knit society. And when you, when you move in from someplace else, it takes a while to kind of uh, get to know people. Yeah. And get to the point that they, you know, you're not, you're not related to anybody. And uh, so you have to kind of prove yourself. And so we learned all of that uh, when we did that. But uh, making that first move, get, Lee, as you, as you said, uh, getting out of your comfort zone, what you've been doing, what you know you can do, what you're, uh, whether you're really enjoying it or not, which yeah. is what holds a lot of people up is they're afraid to try something different, but you have to leave that comfort zone. You have to strike out uh, into a new venture of some sort uh, that you probably don't know a whole lot about, or you don't think you do. Uh, you can learn about it uh, either before you try it or on the way. Mm. Uh, but a lot of it is trial and error. Uh, can I do this? Uh, yeah. If that didn't work, what else can I try? And one thing we found out uh, early on was that you can transfer your skill set a lot of different places. And if you really think about it, uh, just because you've been an accountant or you've been uh, an engineer or a school teacher or whatever, that, that doesn't mean you can't do something else with essentially that same skill set. Yeah. Uh, with, with a little bit of tweaking, maybe. And uh, if you don't, if you don't try it, you'll never know. Exactly. So that's really kind of the secret is starting out with that. Um, and the other thing, the, there's a couple of tools that Mike and I came across uh, uh, some a little, fairly early on in our uh, working together. Uh, and as a matter of fact, he came across uh, Clifton Strengths. Mm -hmm. you know, we talked about that before, uh, and that is. Uh, the uh, it's uh, that that's produced by the Gallup Association. If you're familiar with Gallup and all the, uh, the different surveys and polls that they take, mm 
Mm -hmm. So they did surveys and uh, determined uh, 34 basic strengths that people have. Okay. And they have an assessment test that listed rank orders your 34. And it says, here's what you're really good at, and here's what you're not very good at. And uh, they concentrate on your top five. Yeah. If you look at my uh, LinkedIn page, for instance, I list those five up there, which are my top five strengths from the uh, Strengths Finder. Yeah. Uh, name of the uh, test that you can take. Uh, and that tells you a lot about yourself. Uh, for one thing, uh, and as Mike will tell you, because he, he studied that enough that he ended up uh, taking all of the required coursework and getting certified by Gallup as a strengths coach. So he's doing that full time now. He left okay. his career. He had a career in retail management for quite a few years, done quite well at it, and left that behind and started uh, teaching strengths. So he's been doing that for, I guess, the six or eight years we've been working together now. Uh, so that's one thing. The other one I think you and I may have mentioned before is, is called the Enneagram. Yeah. And that's another survey you can take that uh, has uh, nine different personality types. And it tells you which ones you tend to be prone to most often. Mm -hmm. uh, based on your personality type, that tells you how you respond to outside influences to uh, this you know when something happens just you respond this way because of uh what your personality type is mm. uh, yeah and and i and i love the enneagram and in actual fact i i have a workshop in the vip day um with a lady that is actually going to help you to discover your enneagram um because it's it is powerful once you actually do discover it because it helps you to really um, figure out your communication with other people and right, right, when I right. and when I first did it and you would start to sort of like go oh that's my husband or oh that's my kids yeah. or and and it's really interesting and allows you to delve into into your dominant type but yeah. then also the additional types that um that sort of like come in as well because we can have multiple but it's what our dominant type is which can actually um, ascertain how you communicate with other people. Um, right. So yeah, so it is definitely a great tool. And the Clifton uh, strengths and the um, information on the Enneagram will actually be in the playbook under under you anyway, Bill. So they can go and take a look at that. Um, mm -hmm. Now, obviously, yeah, one another thing about that you mentioned: uh, uh, the more you can learn about other people's strengths. Mm -hmm their personality types the better you're able to communicate with them also from the strengths perspective uh you, you'll realize that uh, in order to accomplish things sometimes you need to partner with somebody that has complementary strengths of yours that yep. are, and that was something my wife and i found out is some of ours were the same but some of them were different yeah and, uh, so we complemented each other uh, quite well as it turned out Exactly. Uh, also, the other thing you also need when you really study it, uh, there's a positive side and a negative side to all of the strengths and to the personality types. Mm -hmm. And depending on whether you're operating on the positive side of them or you revert down to the negative side, it can either help you or hurt you. Yeah. And that's a choice that you that you can yeah. make. And um, and it like is. with anything, they're tools that you can use to to help to expand and help to um to improve and and i think that what something that we get into the habit of is we want to be able to do everything and yeah. so we go well if we just build on our weaknesses then we're going to be a lot better but what we need to understand is that if we've got those five strengths that you that you were talking about and we really build on them um then that can actually help us to you know and then you outsource or you collaborate right. with with other people that have opposing strengths yes yes exactly that, yeah that's exactly correct and what that does is uh, all of this begins to uh help you understand who you are mm. it also starts telling you why you're here what your purpose is yeah okay. one thing we like to tell people that are in the job search is that uh everyone has a a unique set 
of strengths and personality type and experience and things that they enjoy doing, passions. Yeah. And the reason for that, and the reason is that it's needed somewhere. Yeah. And so if you go into a job search with the understanding that you have something unique to offer the world, that, something that the world needs, then it's just a question of finding out where is the best place to utilize that. It's yeah. not, I got to get a job, you know, what can I do? It's here's who I am. Here's what I'm good at. Here's what I enjoy doing. Here's where I can make the most impact. Yeah. That's when that's getting starting to get into conscious entrepreneurship or conscious businesses, uh, which is based on not just making money, but making a difference. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, it, it kind of ties in together there. Yeah, and it's and it's about creating that legacy. It's about creating that impact that can that can mm -hmm. help others to. I believe it's to to help others to expand and to help others to be the best versions of themselves too, because it's you know I I believe that when when God puts these opportunities in front of us, if we learn to listen to what God's saying, then mm -hmm. um, then He's only He's only trying to guide us to lead us on the right path. And if we ignore that, then we tend to go down paths that we have to then be redirected back again, um, which can take a lot longer. So, um, yeah, yep. the point of this is uh, don't try to be something that you aren't. Yeah. Uh, be, uh, celebrate who you are and mm -hmm. uh, what you bring to the party and then uh, go out and find where to apply that. The, one of the definitions of uh, conscious entrepreneurship is... Uh, the, the uh, was this says conscious entrepreneurship at its core is about the simple desire to both make money and to make a difference. Yeah. And so that's really what it's all about. And uh, if you concentrate on who you are, what your passions are, what your strengths are, uh, the type, what your personality type is, and how you interact with people and the people that you like to deal with. Uh, that's where you can make a difference. Yeah. And once you make a difference, once you make a difference, then um, the money just follows anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because with, with money just being energy, we, it, it transmutates um, well, based yeah. on the amount of value you give. Yeah. I was, I was reading something just the other day that was talking about uh, if you really hate your job, and you, you're just going to make money so that you can do what you like to do in, you know, on the weekends, then you're wasting, you know, 80% uh, uh, of your life yep. doing something that you don't like, and you're having to make money to do something that you enjoy doing. So why not do something that you enjoy and get paid for that? Exactly. And, and the thing is, you will find, um, because there are many people that work nine to five jobs, they get up on a Monday, they're depressed and don't want to go into work um, just because they're trying to make a paycheck. And oh, then yeah. they have to hustle on the side to be able to try to build this, this business that they're passionate about. Whereas mm -hmm. if they realise that if they actually just worked on that which they are passionate about, that yeah. which they are fulfilling their purpose, then the money is going to flow anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. No, you don't, uh, if you're if your job is providing a lot of satisfaction to yeah. you, you don't need as much money to, to find satisfaction. Yeah, exactly. Because, because you can be, enjoying. you can be satisfied without the money. And yeah. then when you do have the money, you're just grateful for it. You, know, you still have to have food and clothes yeah. and shelter and all of that. But uh, how much of that you need is, is a different question than, uh, you know, you know, what does it really take to make you happy? Yeah. So some of the happiest people are the people that have the least because they, the more you have, the more you have to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, whatever, you know. Now, what about, um, we talked about going out of our comfort zone and really as, as you and your wife both did, obviously with so much traveling and so much, many shifting um, of your opportunities, um, so much pivoting, which, you know, I've done my share of pivoting. And I think pivot is actually really, really important. Um, when you start feeling like your, your purpose has changed or you're being redirected, 
then not just staying in the job because it's what you've been doing your entire life or because that's what you got qualified for. Do it because it's what you enjoy and what you feel like you are providing value with. Um, but how well, do we... Well, what was that? So uh, uh, changes over time. Yeah. Uh, and my biggest change of purpose was when my wife passed away. Yeah. Uh, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we did everything together, made joint decisions on where we we're going to go, what we we're going to do uh, for 50 something years. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, as, as, like I said in the second book that I wrote there, uh, what now? Yeah. You know, what am I still here? Uh, what am I supposed to do now? And what I ended up finding out was really more about what I'm doing now is to uh, devote full time to uh, working with other people to, uh, and, and that's how we ended up writing the first book. Uh, over many years, uh, we learned a lot of things the hard way. Yeah. And so we wrote a book to describe what all our experiences have been, what we've gone, what we've been able to do and what we learned in the process uh, with the idea that, uh, you know, don't make the mistakes that we made, uh, learn from them, and then go make your own mistakes. Yeah. Try something. Get out there, try something, and make your own mistakes. So that's, that's how spiritual entrepreneurship came about. Uh, the second book uh, uh, that I, what I called it was uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, Traveling Solo But Not Alone. Yeah. And that is that uh, I feel like my wife is still with me. Uh, I, I'll take her wherever I'm going. Uh, I don't have to. Uh, uh, I mean, she, she got to the point uh, in the latter years of her life where we couldn't do the traveling anymore. Mm. And so uh, now she can go wherever, I can, wherever I'm able to go. Yeah. Uh, ended up. Uh, in 2019, going to South Africa, which we talked about for years and were never able to go. Wow. And I felt like she went with me on that. And then the other, the other part of it, too, is that uh, God's always with you. You're never yeah. alone. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're, if you're really conscious of the fact that God's right here, he's right with you, whatever you're going through at that point, then that tends to ultimately take the fear away. Yeah. You, you know everything's going to end up working out okay. Uh, life or death, either way, uh, yeah. it's going gonna, it's gonna to end up all right. And it exactly. took us time to really get to that point. Uh, but that's one of the hard lessons learned is that, uh, you know, make sure you're still, con you're always consciously aware that you're not alone. Yeah, and, and trusting and trusting that that God is there for you um, all the time, and He's right next to you. And just trust that, you know, the paths that you are being led down um, are the paths. Yeah, His plans for you are are good. Yeah. Uh, what He wants for you is, you know, probably even better than what you think you want for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So, he only yeah. wants the best for us. If you understand that, then it really does, it really does take the fear away. Yeah. Uh, ultimately. Uh, <laughs> you, you asked me, uh, you know, what do you do to overcome fear? And uh, initially, it's just take the first step. Yeah. You got you to get out of the comfort zone. You got to go try something. And, uh, you know, once you've had a success or two, then you're not as you're not as afraid the next time to do something different again to maybe take a little bit bigger step or step in a different direction again uh and you get to where ultimately i think you get to where you enjoy it mm -hmm. because, because uh you know life does is not dull and routine <laughs> no exactly exactly and it's and it's like the the whole summit and you know the fact that i've got six summits this year and all the collaborations i've got going um, it all comes from God and from the divine. It all comes from, um, from the intuition and from the downloads that I receive. Oh, and yeah. I, there is no way that I would be able to do it without, without the assistance of, of source. It's just, it's just not, 
it just wouldn't be possible. Um, so, so working alongside God and, and the divine really allows you to, as we said in the, um, in the start, achieve the unachievable because that which we believe we are not capable of, you start to work alongside God and source or anything is possible. And that, that can be in business, that can be in life. Um, so just, um, yep. That's the uh, really kind of the second part of uh, spiritual entrepreneurship. The first part is being an entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, out and doing all of that. The, the second part of it is that you do that with God's guidance yep. and, and his empowerment. He gives you the, the capability to do it. Yeah. Uh, and the strength. Yeah. You to do something that he, uh, you don't think you can do it and you really can't do it on your own. You're probably right about that, but he gives you the empowerment to, to be able to go out and do things that you didn't think you could do. Exactly. And so that's really, uh, if you if you rely on that, that, well, if you ask me to go here and do this, then I know you're going to be with me and you're going to enable me to be able to do it. So here goes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He doesn't ask you to do things that he's not going to stand along alongside you for. So thank uh, you so much, Bill. I think you have covered so much in here about your your beautiful story and about how you can actually use um the the relationship that you have with god and with source to to help you to create successful businesses and to live your life um in alignment which is which is what we're all uh destined to be well, so uh, yeah, at some point you ask me well how, how do you know that what you're hearing in yeah your Intuition. I don't know if it's God or it's it's you know your ego. Yeah. And um, my answer to that is it goes all the way back to the beginning, and that is <clears throat> that uh, uh, if you if you read the Bible, which uh, most people don't really do, yeah, they have one, but they don't ever read it, or they don't they, they don't read it to uh, to learn. Mm. Uh, if you remember that that God inspired all of everything that's in the Bible. Yeah. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit, uh, by name, uh, inspired it. Then if you read it, asking for assistance, then what does this mean? Yeah. Because if you really get into the Bible, uh, it's not black and white. No. It's not this, this and this and everything's okay. It's, you need to read it. You need to let God interpret it for you. Yeah. Say, this is what this means for you mm -hmm. and go from there. Yeah. And also, if you, if you read all the way through the, the Bible, it pretty well lays out what God's plan is mm -hmm. for the whole creation. And yeah. you have a part in that. And so if, what you're thinking about doing, if that fits into your understanding of what God's trying to do, then there you go. Yeah. If it doesn't, then back off. That's probably that's probably not him speaking to you or her, however you want to. Yeah. Look at it, because God has both male. Yeah, it's and not gender specific. Both uh, both masculine and feminine characteristics. So uh, you know, don't get don't get too hung up on the. Uh, you know, he, yeah. Uh, at any rate, uh, that's really kind of the answer to that. And you also, in there, you mentioned uh, relationship. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, the more experience that you have, the more you try to follow what you think you're hearing from God, uh, the more you learn to, to really to hear his voice, mm. and the better you get to understand who he really is she really is yeah uh and what what god's nature is mm. and that you know the, the uh the better you know someone uh the better able you are to understand what they're trying to say to you because yeah. you, you know more about uh, where they're coming from yeah and so ultimately that's the answer is uh you have to develop that it is a personal relationship that, uh, that you need to develop because, uh, uh, you know, God's not just remote and God is uh, not only, uh, you know, beyond 
understanding, but he's also very personable. Yeah. And, uh, and prefers uh, really close relationships. Yeah. He, he, they, God thrives on that connection. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so as you, like you said, as you become more experienced in this and, and you practice it, um, then you will start to build that connection and then you'll start to hear the messages that are coming through. So, um, so that's awesome. Thank you, Bill, so much for um, being on the summit today and going through all of that because I think that you've given the listeners a lot to think about and um, a lot to put into practice, especially when they're um, building their own businesses or wanting to find a purpose and a passion. So, oh, uh, yeah. We, I think I've mentioned this to you before, but uh, I have fairly recently uh, uh, become a member of an organization called SHIFTCO. Yeah. Which is an association of conscious <clears throat> entrepreneurs. Yeah. Uh, for the purpose of uh, introducing you to other conscious entrepreneurs and mm. then providing uh, mentoring, uh, coaching, and uh, uh, workplace uh, teachers yes. on here's how, you, here's how you start a business, here's how you scale it up to how we yeah. scale it up to. And uh, they actually had several different paths you can take depending on uh, you know what it is you want to try and do whether you have a uh, a product or a service or you know what it, what you feel like this is who i am this is what i'm supposed to be doing yeah uh, you really get started with that and it helps you to uh figure out ways in order to uh to grow that and so it's really a great uh, really a great opportunity is to uh uh there's there's a lot of really unique people involved with that that I've come to know that uh, give you lots of good ideas about, uh, okay, here's what you need to do. Yeah. You know, try this, you know, and, uh, and you have success stories from people that have done it. And so. Fantastic. Uh, and, and all of those details are going to be included in um, the playbook under, under Bill's page. So go and have a look at Shiftco and um, see what it's all about, because I think it is a great opportunity for people um that that are wanting to get into this field so thank you so much for your time today bill well, thanks um, Frank, and uh, good to see you again yeah you too thanks bill and i'll speak to you a bit later